Shalom, Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family. And <laughs> we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart. Made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people with the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form what Paul calls one new man, or in the Greek, it's one new humanity. We're getting ready, Mishpocha, to walk into everything that God has promised in his word. And if you don't understand the merging together of the spiritual DNA of the Jew and the spiritual DNA of the Gentile for these last days, you're going to miss the greatest moves of God's spirit in history. But the devil has got so many little dirty tricks and sabotages. Uh, there are so many people that are involved in Christianity. Yes, you heard me correctly. That are involved in Christianity that because we've been so dumbed down to sin and so emphasize grace. And by the way, I emphasize grace. I love God's grace. But if you don't deal with sin... His grace isn't going to help you. But there are so many Christians involved in sins such as uh, homosexuality, pornography, eating disorders, uh, so, so, so many things out of control because we've been so dumbed down as to who we are in Jesus that God raised up uh, a friend of mine. Jonathan Welton, he's been a guest before on Messianic Vision. And out of the ashes of a serious struggle that Jonathan had, he came to a revelation that once you get this, there's a positive and there's a negative. The positive is you can walk in everything God has for you. And the negative is you get rid of these things that... In psychiatry, uh, Jonathan Weldon, we were discussing before we went on the air, in psychiatry, if someone's an alcoholic, uh, if someone's a pornographer, uh, they're counseled and said, you will always be into pornography and into alcohol. You just have to control yourself for the rest of your life. You will never be free. And Christians are buying that. <laughs> I, I, I think it's awful, Jonathan. I agree. I agree, Sid. It's a. It's great to be back with you as well. Um, it's it's a. It's the way that the world has tried to handle uh, sin issues, and the church has not had uh, a revelation to defeat uh, some of these long-held addictions and and long-held struggles. And so we've we've bought hook, line, and sinker some of the same remedies that the world is trying to use, which is really just behavior modification. It's not. Uh, you know, Jesus didn't die on the cross to give us behavior modification. He gave us freedom, and uh, we need we need a true message of grace and freedom and and health and restoration for people that are struggling with with these uh, these long term things, whether it be alcohol or drug abuse or uh, sex addiction or, or homosexuality. Uh, they I believe they all come back to the same root, and uh, it's it's really some issues with identity and receiving the grace of the Lord. Now, just tell us just how out of control sexual sins are in America. Oh, well, Sid, I mean, we, we look at uh, uh, 
most other sins are easier to track, um, but this is one that's that's kept hidden. So I, I have a few statistics, but even the statistics alone, I would assume, are probably lower than than reality because people don't want to share about these these hidden things. Lust is something people keep hidden. Um, so the statistics that I have here are that uh, 82% of Christian men are regularly struggling with pornography. Uh, and that's not just the layperson, but even I have another statistic. But, but, but wait a second. Now, I can see it, it passing a Christian man's radar, but you use the word struggling with. Yeah. That's serious. 82% regularly struggling with hmm. pornography. That would be on a, a weekly or monthly basis, not a yearly basis. Yeah, you know, I think it's the the internet, which isn't evil. It can be used for good or bad, but it is the internet that's made it so accessible. Young kids get on these websites. I I, I mean, it's uh, the internet can be used for good or evil, but it seems like it's overpowering in on the evil side. Absolutely. I, I believe that the enemy has uh, strategies, and one of his strategies is that the Internet went online uh, to the general public in 1994, which was the same year as the Toronto Blessing that broke out in Toronto, Canada with the big revival. Um, and I believe the enemy was really trying to pollute and begin to uh, put a new strategy out there, as well as, of course, um, you know, there's there's natural reasons for the internet, and the Lord has His use for it too. But I think the enemy was also involved in trying to pollute this new technology and um, put something out there that that years ago, if you wanted access to pornography, you had to find a magazine or go to a CD bookstore downtown, or you know, you had to go out and search for it. Now you can bring it right into your to your living room and and you know, right into your house and um, delete it without any piece of paper left over. It's just completely uh, ethereal in a sense. Uh, You know, I I have a granddaughter in college, and she tells me what's going on in college today. And if someone is not a strong Christian, I don't see how they can stand uh, what is being taught by the professors, uh, the the co-ed dorms, uh, the blatant open homosexuality, the blatant open uh, sexual sin. Um, I I, I mean, I can't imagine Sodom and Gomorrah was any worse. Tell tell me more of these statistics. Well, um, one that that I found most surprising as I was doing my study is that I found that 40% of those in full-time ministry will at some point during their, their ministerial career have an affair. 40%, that's nearly half of all ministers. Uh, you know, um, the, the thought is crossing my mind, Jonathan, uh, and uh, I've been in ministry now uh, 40 years. And I have, and praise God, through the grace of God, and I'll say that, I won't take credit, uh, but through the grace of God, I have never had a problem in those areas. I've never struggled with problems in those areas, but I know why in my case. It may be different for others, but in my case, I had a legitimate, real experience with the demonic. And I know what happens when one backslides. So it's not even on my radar. Um, There's the message of who we are in Jesus and the grace and everything. But uh, whatever happened to hell? 
<laughs> whatever, you know, whatever happened to sin? I mean, it, it, it has been dumbed down out of Christianity. So uh, tell me a few more statistics. Well, um, one more, too, is that, uh, you know, sometimes we think of we think of pornography, we think of kind of the lower part of society, people without a job, living in a basement, uh, you know, unshaven. And yet that's really not the um, the stereotypical user um, that, that people have come up with in their mind. There was one study of uh, 4,000 successful business leaders, executives, professionals, and they reported that 88% of those men had had at least one affair. And that's you know, this is staggering numbers of people who are successful in life and yet are still going out doing things that will destroy their life, destroy their marriage, their family, their career. Um, so people are uh, seeking after this. And, and uh, even- yeah, you know, I've heard some secondhand stories, but I believe they're true about uh, Hollywood producers and, and they have all these movies with uh, homosexuality and uh, sex outside of marriage as being normal uh, in in the new age, etc., and vampires. And uh, someone put it to one of the top men in Hollywood, why are you doing this? Uh, would you let your own children go to your movies? And the man said, no, but I'm doing it because that's what people want, and that's how I can make money. Absolutely. Absolutely. A, a mutual friend of ours, uh, another minister, he has a great saying. He says, uh, pain seeks pleasure. Hmm. And uh, so a lot of times that, that people are seeking after this, it's, it can be easy to step over into a place of judgment and, and condemnation towards them, when in reality, if we could really see with, if we had glasses on to see people the way that God sees them, we'd see that the pain that they're in is driving them to seek uh, something to numb it, to medicate that pain, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex addiction. Um, so pain seeks out pleasure. It's a, it's a medication for that pain. Uh, you, you had statistics, and, and again, these are overwhelming to me. That's why I'm having you say them in your book uh, about uh, the amount of money that the, the sex industry makes. Yeah, what the numbers I've I've found uh, have been at the uh, 57, 57 billion, not million, 57 billion dollars a year come in through the sex industry, and that includes uh, pornography and prostitution and the sex slave trade, um, as well as uh, strip clubs. When you add it all together, 57 billion dollars a year. And, you know, in my lifetime, the whole arena of uh, not even sex change operations, just plain homosexuality, you didn't even talk about it. Uh, no one was uh, stated they were a homosexual if they were. Today, even people with sex change operations are superstars. Uh, I mean, we're getting pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've gone from one kiss on Ellen DeGeneres to uh, you know cross-dressing with Dennis Rodman to you know the the modern age of of Ellen having her own show and and everything being just right in your face. Uh, Lady Gaga and her hit single this year, uh, "Born This Way." But but I heard you say something a little earlier, and that is uh, the pain. 
these people are going through and how God really sees them and sees them as what they were created to be. And um, we'll get into it a little later on, but I want everyone to get your book and CDs. Your book is called Eyes of Honor, and it's about time that we could walk in purity as a, uh, as a body that uh, we don't have to be stuck like the rest of society. What a book for people to have in a CD uh, called Power of Identity, two CDs. We're making them available for a gift of $30. It's time for you to be free. Get this book. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. My friend Jonathan Welton, who's been a guest before on Messianic Vision, uh, Jonathan struggled with his own areas of sin, and out of that struggle was birthed a book that will not only set you free from the struggles of sin, but allow you to enter in the reality of all of the promises in God's Word. No more will it be hope. You'll be walking as a true son and daughter of the living God. Uh, Jonathan, tell me about the, uh, the methods uh, that you checked out to get free yourself. Well, Sid, as we said yesterday, uh, 82% is what the statistics say. 82% of Christian men regularly struggle with uh, pornography. And um, I was one of the 82 uh, Excuse me. Uh, you had said when we were off the air that women struggle as much as men with these sins. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, I've had a lot of feedback from people who've been reading Eyes of Honor, and the women are being impacted just as much as the men, um, because the issue at the core is identity. And, and whether you're a male or a female or dealing with homosexuality or wherever you're at, uh, identity is really the core issue. Oh, okay, so, you, so you're a Christian minister, you're in full-time ministry, you're struggling, you love God so much that you want to get out, you don't want to leave God, you want to get rid of, out of, get, get rid of the struggle, and you're a leader. Uh, what does a leader do? Who do you go to? You can't get on the radio and say, help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things that's probably the hardest about this uh this type of addiction, whether when you're talking about lust and pornography, things like that, um, is that it's it's very hidden, and people want to keep it hidden. It has such a uh, shame and a stigma attached to it. Uh, you know, if you're dealing with alcoholism, people smell it on your breath. If you're dealing with drug addiction, they see when you're high. But when you're dealing with lust and pornography, you know, people can't see it. It's kept hidden. And, uh, and you're right, it's, it's a challenge of when you are, especially in a place of leadership, who do you go to? Who do you... Well, let me ask you a question. Why didn't you just throw in the towel and stop believing in Jesus? Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Well, I knew he had an answer for me, and I knew he wasn't going to leave me just sitting in my own mess. And uh, that, I think, is what, what drove me, knowing that there was an answer, even if I hadn't heard it from the church yet and uh, just kept pursuing him and his word, and he began to open up some of the answers for me. 
Well, tell me, tell me step by step what you did. Uh, I spent about ten years before that without answers, and uh, that's a long time. Why again? Why didn't you give up? Well, I I just figured I'm going to keep trying everything that I'm I'm hearing in the church, and uh, right, so what did you try? I hadn't met one person in those ten years that said I have the answer, mm. and yet I heard this might help and this might help. And so I tried all of the, this might help. Well, well, tell me some of the things you tried so that people listening won't have to walk around in a circle for 10 years like you did. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, well, I know a lot of people who, um, there's many labels for it. I don't want to target one in particular, but there's a lot of people who look inside their own heart to deal with issues of their memory and their past and, and traumas and and that can be helpful to a point, um, but if you're at negative 100 and you're full of hurts and traumas and unforgiveness from your past, um, dealing with them might get you to zero, but they won't get you all the way into the positive. And, and so there was a long process of pursuing what might be called counseling or inner healing or um, you know, dealing with the soul. Uh, yeah, there are so many of these courses so many, out there. So many. Uh, what about just a simple 12-step program? Did you try that? Yeah, yeah. And the 12-step, the, uh, it can get your life under control if your life's spinning out of control, but it can't actually fix the issues because, you know, one of the very first of the 12 steps is that uh, I acknowledge that I am powerless. Well, Jesus didn't die to make me powerless and struggle against sin for the rest of my life. He didn't leave me there. He died for my freedom. I mean, what a horrible life you know? if someone thinks, well, that they're either stuck in that sin or that's the way God, you know, some even go so far as to say, that's the way God made me, like someone that's perhaps a homosexual. Yeah, yeah. And, and the one thing I know for sure, God didn't make a homosexual homosexual. Yeah, it doesn't make sense if you think about it that God says that homosexuality is a sin and it's going to be judged. God doesn't make people in a certain way that then he has to judge them. It's, it's, that would be a very cruel view of who God is. Um, it's something that people can choose. It's something that their identity can be injured, maybe even a predisposition to move in that direction. But... God allows people to make choices, and so he hasn't predestined someone to be a homosexual. That, that doesn't even make sense to me, according to the Scripture. And, but it seems to me that almost all these methods are based on willpower, and then guess what? If you do control yourself, it's you controlling yourself. I don't see God getting any glory out of it. Definitely. And, and they can very much distort the identity of the person looking for freedom. Hello, my name is John Smith, and I'm a such and such. Well, that's not who God says that you are. And as long as you keep declaring that over your life, you're stuck there. And the Lord actually wants you to have the new identity as a new creation, as a child of God that he, he purchased for you. So you can't you can't give freedom on your own. That's what the cross is all about. Now, now you call all of these things that you tried and failed with 
performance-based methods. Why do you call it that? Well, I believe you really have uh, performance versus grace. And we can have performance-powered change where um, your behavior changes, but your heart doesn't. Uh, one of the 12-step group, 12 groups I attended, they said... Uh, well, wait, wait a second. That's the reason they say you'll never be free, <laughs> you know, because once you stop performing, you're the same person. Definitely. And and a good example, and then I'll share what I, what I believe in is grace-empowered uh, change. Um, but the performance side, I remember sitting next to a, a man, we'll just call him John, and he said he'd been in this group for uh, 12 years, and he had been sober for two, which means he had looked at no pornography for two years. And everybody clapped, and then someone said, well, John, why didn't you seem more happy? You know, two years, that's a huge accomplishment. And he said, you know, I tell you what, I've been sober for two years, I've been coming to these meetings for 12 and there is no difference in my heart. I still want to look at pornography. I still view women the same. Nothing has changed except my outward behavior. And that's, that's the fruit of those methods. There's no actual heart change. There can be transparency and there can be honesty about what you're struggling with. And those are good, good things. But to actually have change... You have to have an identity change that is powered by God's grace. You know, I'm thinking about men and women that struggle in all of these addictive behaviors. You know what they end up doing? They end up getting a divorce. Their children end up being in a single-parent home. I mean, these, these addictive behaviors, if someone like you, a leader, has tried all the best of the best courses that are that that are around today, and it didn't help you. If you hadn't, if you hadn't been led into the understanding you received, I don't even think you'd be in ministry anymore. What do you I think? I agree. I agree. And if it weren't for some amazing godly leaders and and an incredible wife. Um, you know how many men's wives will leave them if they're involved in these types of sins? Absolutely. She, she, I wrote in the forward of School of the Seers, my first book that we, we talked about previously, that uh, um, my wife has been one of the, um, one of the key uh, evidences to me that there is a God. Because I just see in her heart, I see Christ shine through her every day. It's, it's tremendous um, blessing in my life, uh, my wife Karen. And uh, is there hope in your opinion? All right, you got you got hope, and we haven't even gone into it yet. We'll do that tomorrow. Uh, you got out, but are there some people that uh, that they're just so stuck in the mud that they uh, that they can't get out the way you did? Mm. Well, I tell you what, I want to just talk directly to the listener. If you're in that place that you feel like you're just without hope and and you're bottom of the bucket and uh, I just want to encourage you that you there is a light at the end of this tunnel, and maybe you haven't heard the answers you need yet. Maybe you haven't found the keys uh, for freedom, and I understand that. I've been there. I've been through it. I've been through the ringer, and the Lord showed me that there is grace, and there is an answer, and there is freedom for you. Well, Jonathan, I think they've been waiting long enough after 10 years, what happened? <laughs> well, 
I, uh, as I was sharing yesterday, I'd pursued all kinds of different methods, was not finding any answers. And, uh, you know, finally just came to the point that, uh, you know, I, I had to make a change in my life and I could not continue struggling and having a, you know, two, two ministry related master's degrees and, a and a wonderful wife and, and, uh, an international ministry and a best selling book and all that. And I'm still, struggling with with lust in my heart and uh and so it was time to get real and to deal with the issues um i talked to my leadership and i took a, a long season off of of ministry and and just got um time to focus on on this issue with the lord and and he brought some some uh, he brought the breakthrough but he brought the truth because jesus said it's truth that will set you free and I knew that in those 10 years of trying all those methods, they had just a fraction of the truth in them, but they didn't have the truth I needed to get set free in my life. So um, one of the largest truths that the Lord brought along was an understanding of his grace. And, and a lot of us, when I say the word grace, um, a lot of us will understand grace as far as salvation. But in Titus 2, uh, 11 and 12, it says, The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That's the grace of salvation that most of us have heard about. But the verse goes on talking about grace. It says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And that's what I wanted. I wanted something in me that would teach me to say no and would teach me to live self-controlled, upright, and godly. Because the external behavior change wasn't actually transforming my heart and my life from the inside out. And only grace can do that. So the grace, uh, the grace really is like a force in the same way that before we came to Christ, before we came and accepted him as our Lord, uh, Sin ran our lives. Old ways of thinking, the world, um, it pushed us towards making wrong decisions. But now, on the other side of the cross, now that we've entered in as new creations, grace is literally the fuel in the tank of our lives that pushes us to say no to ungodliness. And uh, uh, but the truth of the matter is, everyone that's born again, that has read the Bible, has read the passages that you've just even quoted, but they're still in bondage. I agree. There's a lot of us who read the things, but at the same time, we have to read the Word and have a revelation of the Word. And I had had many, uh, a lot of head knowledge. Um, even, you know, I was known for my first book, The School of the Seers, and uh, it's a book about discerning spirits. And, you know, people ask me all the time, what do you discern about this leader and this politician? And, and you know, the hardest person to discern is yourself. That's why it says in Hebrews 4 that the Word of God is a sword that divides the thoughts and intents of the heart. Because we need the Word to cut. We need the revelation of the Word to show us what's really going on in our heart and our mind. And we can be ourselves the hardest person to discern. That's why we need not just knowledge of grace, but we need a revelation of grace that actually activates in our life in a supernatural way that drives us to walking like Christ. 
it can't just be a, a wristband that says WWJD, and then we try to force ourselves to be like Christ. We need grace to actually empower us to walk like him. When you got this revelation of grace, uh, you understood grace. You probably even talked about grace. But when you got this revelation of true biblical grace, and I have to qualify this because what is being taught uh, throughout the world today is an unbalanced approach to grace, which is almost, even though it's, you're not told to sin, if you just sit under most of that teaching, it sounds like a license to sin, and you live just like the world. You're not told to walk in purity and in holiness, uh, and, and it's kind of an unbalanced message. But once you got the true revelation of grace, how long did it take you to get free? I'm curious. I think once I got the revelation, it was within a matter of weeks that... that it took you 10 years, and it didn't even help you. All you learned how to do was control sin. <laughs> In a matter of weeks, you got free. Not so well at that. I had <laughs> done my best, and I had gotten to the point of giving up. And, uh, yeah, grace made the difference. And it was it was within a matter of weeks. My wife was, was very... Um, stunned as she began to watch my my personality shift and my my heart became open and I became free and transparent and vulnerable in ways she'd never seen before. Um, you know, grace doesn't just stop one sin in your life; it it transforms you from top to bottom. It, it's it's a supernatural remodel of of everything of who you are. I, I want you to teach just a little bit. Uh, about the revelation of grace. Uh, let's start with uh, identity and the identity shift that is necessary. What is identity? Mm. Well, well, backing for just a moment, you're right. There's a lot of confusion about grace. And the way some are teaching it now um, is it's, we've had this problem for 2,000 years. Back when Paul wrote to the Romans, he said, you know, he talked about grace, and then he said, so shall we go on sinning then? that grace may abound, you know, if, if there's grace, why not just keep sinning? And he said, oh, you know, of course not, by no means. And uh, so we're not talking about grace being an excuse or a license to sin. Grace is actually an empowerment to stop sin in your life. It's not an excuse, it's an empowerment not to sin. And that, as I said earlier, is like a fuel in the tank of your life. Uh, you're actually your identity is empowered by grace. Uh, but but, uh, but I, want, I want to mention again the flip side. Grace empowers all of the blessings of God. Yeah. And most have a, a, a mental knowledge of what Jesus did for us, but it hasn't played out in their lives. They're still walking around sick. They're still walking around in poverty. They're still getting divorced like the world. Their children are still leaving the Lord. It, it, this is such a wonderful revelation. Uh, uh, let's go back. What is your understanding of identity? Mm. Well, I believe the identity we're called to walk in is that we've been put into Christ. I'm, I, I'm not just here to live out Jonathan Welton. I'm here to be the expression of Christ in the earth, that I walk in Jesus with a whole new righteousness, 
a whole new purity, a holiness, a uh, a spirit of grace and truth. Um, so, so our identity is that uh, most people stop at the cross and say, "Well, I've died in Christ." Well, that's true, although. Paul goes on and says, not only that, but you're united with him in his resurrection. Uh, as John wrote in 1 John, he said, as he is, Jesus presently is, so are we in this world. Our calling is God's representative as his ambassador from heaven. Our, our identity is so much more than just um, struggling with sin, with the hopes that Jesus might free us. We're actually called to be uh, Jesus on this earth, his spirit in us, uh, Ephesians says, filled with the fullness of the Godhead. I mean, it, these these verses are mind-boggling to the, the Christian who's been just struggling with sin all their life. That is, that is the, the starting point, is leaving sin behind. And, and yet, even myself, you know, 10 years and ministry degrees and all of that, and I hadn't actually stepped into... Uh, walking like Christ, which is the the basis of Christianity, being filled with His Spirit and walking like Him in the earth. Our identity is not uh, simply a Christian; it's it's being like Christ-like, being made in His image, in His likeness. You know, in your book, you talk about four types of identity: one, healthy; three, unhealthy. Tomorrow, I'd like you to teach on that. But Mishpocha, you know someone struggling with sin. You know someone struggling with pornography. You know someone struggling uh, with uh, sexual sins, uh, homosexuality, lust, uh, eating disorders. And you want to get those people free with they will read this book. It's not a condemnation. It gets you free. It gets you into your true identity and will allow you to walk in all the blessings you know are promised to you in the Word. We're making the book Eyes of Honor and the two CDs called Power of Identity available for a gift of $30. Call our order-only line, one 800 We're coming into that point in which God is removing the spiritual scales from the eyes of Jewish people, and we're going to see what Jesus promised. He said, you'll do the same works that I have done, and even greater. Well, we haven't even seen enough of the same, let alone what the greater is. But that's what we're coming into right now. But I guarantee you, you're not going to come into it unless you're walking in purity. And there are many people I'm talking to right now that say, but Sid, I've tried 12-step programs. I've tried biblical counselors. I've tried introspective systems. I've tried inner healing. Uh, I just can't get free. I don't know what to do. That's what happened to my guest, Jonathan Welton best-selling book, international speaker, in full-time ministry, and struggling with sin, tried everything. It took him 10 years to try everything that was available. He could not get free until he came into revelation of his identity 
and what I would call, and I'm sure he would call, a balanced message of grace, what is being taught today will not help you walk in holiness and purity. And without holiness, this is what God says, not me, you will not see God. (laughs) Well, that's my whole purpose in my life. I must walk in holiness, and I must do it not based on struggle, based on God getting all of the glory. Well, my guest, Jonathan Welton, he's teaching on this right now. We were talking a bit about what true identity should be. And in your book, you point out four types of identity, one healthy, three unhealthy. Uh, Jonathan, explain that. Yeah. Well, um, Sid, what I began to find is that uh, people are struggling with identity more than almost anything else. They may think they're struggling with pornography, alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, but in reality, at the core, they're dealing with not knowing who they really are. And if they really knew who they were, they wouldn't be struggling with this. Let me lay it out a little more, though. Um, What I found is that essentially there are four different identities that you can shift into the way that you see yourself. Uh, One, you can listen to the devil, who the Bible calls the accuser of the brethren, meaning that he keeps bringing up your past and saying, you remember when you did this, you remember when you did that, and he speaks with a voice that just condemns you at every turn, remembering all of your your rap sheet of of what you've done wrong. Um, That's the first option. Number two, you can see yourself the way that others see you. Uh, Proverbs says that the fear of man brings a snare. That basically means that when you decide to live under the opinions of everybody around you, you live a constantly insecure life filled with the fear of what others will think and say and do. Well, that's not a good identity either. Uh, Number three, you can just see yourself uh, the way that you want to see yourself, which is usually based on your performance. So on Monday, you do great, and you think, you know, you applaud yourself and and a little pat on the back, and then Tuesday, you do poorly, and you beat yourself up, and you basically... Well, well, we learn that as a child. We're rewarded if we do good. We're punished if we do bad. Yeah, and every day is different, and your identity shifts with every coming and passing day. Um, The only stable, healthy identity that we can take on is seeing ourselves the way that God actually sees us. And that is the shift that is required to to walk in the identity that God intended for us to walk in. Who are you, Jonathan Welton? Who are you really? Tell me. Mm. That was a big question I had to ask myself. And uh, when I finally came to the point of setting aside uh, the false identities of I'm the author, I'm the the student, I'm the, the one with the degrees, I'm the one with the ministry, I'm the all of that, and getting it down to the basic bottom of the bucket and saying, I am a child of a Father God who loves me, and I'm valuable, and I'm worth everything he did for me, because he said I'm worth that. Tell me two foundational principles to walk in freedom? Mm. I believe there's two very large foundational principles. One is that I'm valuable, and the second is that I'm powerful. When I say I am valuable, 
a lot of us um, have gotten our self-worth from our actions, our performance, our degrees, our job, our, you know, whatever we're good at, that's what we get our value from. When I came to understand my value, I'm priceless because Jesus was willing to die for me. So if you think about that, God the Father looks down from heaven and he doesn't look at me and say, oh, there's a despicable little worm. I think I might rescue him. He looks down and says, that is someone created in my image, my likeness. That is a a member that I want in my family. I love that creation. I love him enough to invest Jesus, the most precious thing the Father has in heaven. He sends to invest in me. But, 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 but how can he do that to to us humans uh, that, that have these horrible thoughts that uh, have been brainwashed most of our life with uh, horrible television and now things on the computer, uh, and, and we know how bad we are. How can he love us? Well, I, I think we have a different uh, economy than God does. When he looks down, he's not saying, uh, you know, all those condemning things that we think about ourselves. He's looking, saying, that person is worth dying for. That was a statement I had to keep meditating on as the Lord was speaking it to me. I am worth the death of Jesus, not because of my actions or my good or bad actions, but because God is a wise investor. And he looked and he said, I will take the most precious thing in heaven, my only begotten son, and I will send him so that I can have these people be a part of my family. It's it's the story of the prodigal son. It's that that lavish father who who just loves his son, even though his son has gone out and done so much ill and so much wrong, that he still loves that son just as much as he loves the son who stayed at home and worked hard. And and God doesn't view these through the lens of doing right, doing wrong. He loves everybody, and he died for everybody. So sometimes we can get distracted by looking at people through a lens of actions rather than through eyes of love as the Father sees people. Now, you you talk about we have a choice because we're powerful. Explain. Yes. Um, See, in the the 12-step programs, uh, the first one of the first steps is you have to admit that you're powerless. Uh, basically, you're you're saying you're powerless and you're going to submit to behavior modification. What the Lord began to show me is just the opposite. See, one of the fruit of having the Holy Spirit in your life, in uh, Galatians 5, it talks about that when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, he brings forth certain things, and one of them being self-control. And See, I used to think that self-control is the ability to say no to sin. That's a very small, narrow understanding. Uh, A better understanding the Lord began to show me about self-control is that he gave me the power to say yes and no in my life. Not just no, but that I'm not controlled by outside forces. That I get to make choices. He's made me powerful to be self-controlled, and I get to direct the choices that I make in my life by His Holy Spirit. But what about that compulsion? Uh, Let's talk about the acceptable sin, not the sexual sins. Uh, Gluttony. (laughs) 
<laughs> How does that play out in real life? <laughs> wow. Well, interesting side note. Um, since I got this revelation about two years ago, I've lost about 40 pounds. Uh, you're... Oh, oh, oh the book, there's going to be a run on your books. We're not going to have enough books to, to handle. Oh, my hope. Let, let's put a reorder in already. <laughs> Right. Uh, so weight loss and uh, pornography and uh, you know whatever it all got it all got healed up in uh, the same revelation of identity um, because once you value yourself you you have a value to take care of yourself and then God also has given you the power to be self controlled uh, so you're able to say no uh, you know it's not just. Uh, saying no to sin, but you're able to say, you know what, I can't eat that box of Krispy Kreme because I am valuable. And, and it's, it's making right choices. And you're able to do that um, because, of, uh, you know, because of this self-control that the Holy Spirit gives you. A lot of believers live their life hoping that God will step in and he'll, he'll overpower them and he'll make them stop sinning. When in reality, he put self-control in, and then he gave you grace to empower you so that you can walk like Christ. Yeah, you know, I liked a statement you wrote in your book. You said, if you don't understand self-control, you're going to sell yourself to the highest bidder. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We just kind of keep selling it out. It, the reality is every person uh, has been given self-control uh, yet a lot of us have given it away to an addiction, whether it be food or pornography or alcohol or drugs. We give our self-control to someone else because carrying self-control, making those choices yourself can be such a, uh, a scary responsibility for someone who's never stepped into knowing how valuable they are. I want you to be free from addictions of any kind be it eating disorders, homosexuality, anger, uh, lust, pornography, addictions of all kinds, sexual sins. It's time to be free because we're in the last of the last days and God values you. God has a plan for your life and it's time to stop struggling. It's time to walk in your promised land. Jonathan Welton, who has been my guest uh, on Messianic Vision, has a brand new book. It was supernaturally birthed. How did you write that book so quickly, Jonathan? <laughs> well, Sid, that's, that's an interesting story. My, my first book, School of the Sears, took about seven years. So I'm not... Hey, they, you're, you're a slow writer. Yeah. <laughs> a long time to research and write that book, and, and the Lord brought it out at the right time. And so uh, Eyes of Honor that we're talking about today is my third book, and it was uh, in a matter of about eight weeks that this book was written. So compared to seven years, this was supernatural for sure. Um, the Lord just, he took me in this, this time. Uh, I'd taken a season off of ministry to get some things straight in my life and my marriage and, and my heart. And uh, near the end of that time, there was an eight-week period where every day the Lord was just literally downloading into my heart, into my spirit, uh, an understanding about identity that brought um, tremendous breakthrough into my life. And 
so that that had been something I'd been walking in uh, throughout that season, but then it was time for for me to put it on paper for other people to have the same breakthrough. And that's what Eyes of Honor is, is that book uh, encapsulates what the Lord showed me that brought health and restoration to my life. Uh, you talk in this book, and I, I just think it's, I can't get enough of uh, of this teaching because it's something that I've been thinking about and, and meditating about. In the book of Hebrews, it, it talks about there's a day, and I believe we're in that day. It actually been in that day for 2,000 years, and it, 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 uh, it, it's called the Sabbath rest. Tell me about that. I want to enter into that fully. Yeah, I, I, you know, this is a powerful principle. Uh, we see in the book of Genesis that God created the world in seven days, and the seventh day was his day of rest. And the interesting thing is he created Adam on the sixth day. Adam and Eve, he creates them on the sixth day, and we hear they have a commission to work and to take care of the garden and all of this, and yet their first day on planet Earth is sitting down to rest with the Father on day seven. See, Adam didn't come to know God as the boss or the taskmaster. He came to know God through a place of rest. Then he would start working on the eighth day. So a lot of us, uh, we, we think of religion, we think of Christianity, we think of, of all of these things as, as working so hard. And yet the revelation that Adam had of God is God is a God of rest. We get to Matthew 11, and, and here's Jesus who says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, the revelation of knowing God is that, that we rest with him. And yet so many of us work so hard, and we struggle and struggle and struggle and strive to be good and to maybe make God happy with us. And yet he's saying, I want you to know me through a place of rest. And that's what Hebrews 4 spends a whole chapter talking about uh, entering into the Sabbath day, the, the resting of God and the resting in God. And it's not meant to be a struggling, striving relationship. And then you talk about the most wonderful thing, how we can reign and rule in life. And this isn't just some good preaching. This is the Word of God. Explain. Mm. There is a verse that has become one of my favorites in, in the whole Bible, and it's uh, in Romans 5.17. And there's one part of it specifically. It says, those who receive God's abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus. Uh, you know, there's one translation I'm reminded of that says, we'll reign as kings in life. <laughs> it gets even bolder, stronger. That's so good, Sid. It, it just, that verse, we keep going back to it. I keep going back to it in my heart because um, there are days when I don't feel like I'm really reigning in life. I feel like life is reigning over me. And uh, it's it's coming to that revelation of who we are, that we've received his abundance of grace, that righteousness is a gift, and that, that we're designed, our identity, our grace, we're designed to reign in life. God didn't create us to struggle in life. Struggle was something that came with the curse. 
before the curse, the Garden of Eden, he created us to rest. He created us to rest with him, to have relationship with him, and he created us to rule and to reign and to rest. Those are the three R's. I know it used to be reading, writing, and arithmetic, but the three R's of the kingdom is, is ruling, reigning, and resting in Jesus. Now, now you used to struggle for victory, but uh, you say uh, you don't fight for victory anymore, but you fight from victory. Yes. Explain that. Yes, yes. So when we see in Ephesians 6, it talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, and he lists these evil spirits that we're in a struggle with. But if we look at it, uh, Paul makes very clear in that passage that we actually are to put on the full armor of God and to stand our job is to stand. James confirms it and says, we resist the devil and he runs away from us. So it's not this, this battle where we have to struggle every single day for a victory. Jesus won the victory on the cross. He defeated the powers of darkness. And yet we get to stand inside Jesus Christ. Jesus, our Lord, we stand inside him. And that's where our victory is from. Uh, you know, there are people uh, listening to us right now, Jonathan, that um, they have a loved one that is struggling with pornography, start struggling with addictions, uh, str- struggling with eating disorders, uh, uh, struggling with anger, uh, and, and they've not entered into this rest. I believe that when they get your brand new book, Eyes of Honor, and your two CDs, Power of Identity, they'll fulfill the destiny God has for their life. And there is the flip side. Once they understand their identity, then they not only can walk into their destiny, but they can walk into every promise in God's Word, not 10 years from today, like the way you struggled for 10 years. But now, I want you to pray, because between the day they, they order it, which uh, should be today, and the day they get it, they don't want to even wait the week or so that it takes. I want you to pray a supernatural prayer over them right now, those that are really struggling. Lord, I bring my brothers and sisters that are listening right now, I bring them before you, and I just speak over their lives encouragement and strength. Lord, that your, your answer of telling them who they really are in you, that they are your beloved son or daughter, that that answer can bring freedom, that the truth they need is, is that they are loved by you and that your grace will empower them. And I, I speak freedom over everyone in the sound of my voice, in Jesus' name, freedom to you. May the truth set you free. You are loved of the Father, and he has empowered you by grace to reign and rule in this life. You were fortunate. You were blessed. Your wife stuck through you, through all your, through your 10 years of struggle. What... If she was on the phone today and I was to say to her, uh, what change have you seen in your husband? What would she say? Mm. Well, I was blessed enough that she wrote the preface to Eyes of Honor and 
gets to share a little bit from her perspective. And she said, probably if it was any other man, he would have given up a long time ago. But my husband is a fanatic for truth, and he went after finding answers. And so the the change that she's seen has especially been the area of transparency and vulnerability. Those are major keys to walking and maintaining uh, health. And so she's seen, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to get on the national radio or television program and say, hey, I've struggled for a decade with these things. And, and the transparency that I walk in now uh, causes us to walk and live together with open hearts and with a connected relationship that she always has wanted. I, I, I want you to get this brand new book, Eyes of Honor, for yourself, for your loved ones, and the two CDs, Power of Identity, available for a gift of $30 Shabbat broadcast. The Lord has already blessed you. The Lord has already kept you. The Lord has smiled upon you. The Lord has gifted you. The Lord has already surrounded you with his favor. And the Lord has granted you his peace, his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikinu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.